The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thanks for stopping by and joining us once again on my program, Afternoons with Mike, heard right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. With me today in the studio for visit number two, although A.J. Fullwinkle it feels like visit number one. It's been that long ago. It has been a while, yes. Yeah, since uh, the fall of 19 or early 20. I'm not sure exactly where that was. So uh, it is, uh, it's been a long time, and I know that we weren't in our studios back then, uh, but I so enjoyed meeting you. Got to meet you through the Christian Chamber. That's right. That's right. And uh, our mutual friend, Mark Goldstein, who knows everybody. Doesn't he? He's, he's a person that knows how to connect. Yes. Others. Yes. yes. <laughs> that is for sure. And you are an attorney of family law, and also you do some criminal defense work, legal work for the Marks Law Firm, and that is in Orlando. That is. And I've been there for three years. Um, and prior to that, um, I had my own practice where I did uh, a mix of criminal defense and family law as well. Mm-hmm. But I would say now I do probably 90% family law and um, and just a handful of criminal defense cases. Well, you're with a, a firm that has a, a bunch of employees, right? I mean, you have a bunch of lawyers. Yeah, there's three attorneys. There's four or five staff, you know, paralegals and mm-hmm. legal assistants, yeah. office manager, receptionist. So it is a nice, small to mid-sized firm. That really works out nicely when you're able to do all of that, have a team that you're working with and divide and conquer. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, that's a, that's a wonderful um, feeling to know that I can walk into a firm that is a faith-based firm. Uh, Tom Marks, the owner of the Marks Law Firm, um, has done a, an excellent job of establishing his firm. He's been around for over 30 years um, as God first. Um, in fact, our mission statement is to honor God. That's the first part of it, mm-hmm. to honor God and then faithfully represent our clients. Um, and so with great leadership, attitude, uh, mm-hmm. and excellence, and teamwork. And so um, it, we, we start every meeting with prayer. Um, we have, a, you know, once a month, a all-firm meeting and um, it's just it's just a wonderful experience to be able to walk into a firm, not even just the open door policy where the attorneys can talk and bounce ideas off each other, but know that everyone's kind of approaching their work from a Christ-centered perspective. You know, that sounds, I am sure, to some people like uh, almost a juxtaposition of terms here. I mean, you know, non-synchronous terms, mm-hmm. uh, law and attorneys and believers. I mean, those are, those are things that obviously do and can work wonderfully together. If you were to believe and only be exposed to the news media or to entertainment shows about, and the attitudes they put out about attorneys, it's, uh, you, I, you could derive a, 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 let's say a conclusion that would not be accurate, right? Not at all. In fact, <laughs> I am, I am so thoroughly impressed with the number of Christian attorneys from all types of law that we have in Central Florida and judges. I'm the, uh, the president of the Christian Legal Society, which is a national movement that, um, that argues cases in front of the U.S. Supreme Court and other courts acro- across the country on religious liberty cases. Um, but, you know, everyone has their own little separate local chapter, and I'm the president of the one for Central Florida. 
And we have so many Christian attorneys that are members um, and numerous judges from Orange County, Osceola County, Seminole County that routinely attend. Um, and so that's it's, really great. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, and it's gratifying to know that, you know, even judges that are in that position aren't afraid or feel like they, they need to shield or hide their faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and um, actively participating in our, in our events. Um, and so, Yes, it is a wonderful thing to be part of an organization where you can interact with other Christian attorneys. And you know, you're right. Uh, We've had a couple of judges that I've interviewed and also they've been, one of them has been up also with John Crossman's show. He Mm -hmm. does his program in Studio A here at The Shepherd. And I just love John Crossman. He's a dear friend and get to work with him as I do. And his show is so unique uh, and, and really doing a great job. But uh, these judges that we've had up here on his and on my show are, are uh, just amazing. And again, they break all stereotypes that some people could have if their only, let's say, point of reference is what they watched on TV. Correct. Correct. And that that world on television, they they do such well. If you're watching it and you like the show, some would say they may do a convincing job of of playing the part. But the attitudes that are there and almost the swagger and the worldliness that are often depicted mm-hmm. among law firms uh, is not representative of what they're going to find at your firm. Correct. Correct. And then, uh, you know, again, from a broader sp- spectrum throughout Central Florida, right, and that they're openly and willingly uh, to engage and be a part of an organization like the Christian Legal Society. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's really cool to hear that you're a part of that, that you're president of the chapter here. That's wonderful. AJ, tell me a little bit about your own story. We touched on this back uh, years ago when you were with me the first time. Yes. Uh, I would love for uh, uh, those that might have heard that, that are listening today, uh, as well as those who haven't heard the story, because I think you have a most wonderful testimony of the Lord calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah, a, a complete and total grace story, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I you know I grew up as a military brat um, in a uh, Christian household, um, but by the time I was uh, in high school and, and graduating high school, I had uh, was introduced to and started participating in the world of drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, and by the time I started my first year of college, was you know for lack of a better term, addicted um, and a, a habitual user. Um, and those bad decisions, um, and would that be drugs and alcohol both or one or the other? It was primarily drugs. Uh Um, I mean, you know, college students, you know, tend to drink at a, you know, football party Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, uh, that was never, I don't think as much of an issue. I think the drugs were primarily my, my downfall, if you Mm -hmm. will. Um, and so those series of bad decisions ultimately led me to, first of all, trying to run away from my problems. Right. By joining the military, um, only to realize that it doesn't matter where you go, you're going to run into individuals that yeah. are, use drugs, um, even in the military, even in the military. And so um, I got caught up in that scene in the military, eventually caught um, discharged with an unfavorable discharge. Um, one of the hardest calls I ever had to make in my life was to my dad. I am sure that was the case. He spent 27 years as a um, Navy officer and a pilot. Um, and I had to call and let him know that his son was being discharged because of mm-hmm. drug abuse. Um, 
And so it, it was just a you know series of bad decisions that led me down this dark hole. And instead of facing those issues and trying to um, pull myself out of it, I just dug my, myself deeper into that hole and put my head in the sand and, yeah. and surrounded myself with people that were okay with that lifestyle. You I often could, hear the term doubled down. Yes. You, you doubled down into that lifestyle. I did. I did. And one of the things you hear in recovery is to replace the people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so important because when you're living in that lifestyle, you want to surround yourself with people who are doing the same thing as you because you don't feel as guilty about mm-hmm. what you're doing. Um, and misery loves company. It too. does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there wasn't some preacher message that I heard that was my epiphany aha moment. It literally was, I'm flipping burgers at a restaurant. I'm 27 years old. And I said, this is just, this is not what I had envisioned for my mm-hmm. life. And to borrow a Dave Ramseyism, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and called my dad, called my parents, my mom and dad. Again, this, Again. this phone call. A little bit better than the a little last bit louder than the yeah, last, yes. Right. And and said, "Hey, I'm I I think I want to come home." And almost like the prodigal son story, you know, my dad was like, "We've been waiting for this call. Please come home." Um, there's going to be boundaries. There's going to be conditions. You know, I think I was the only 27 year old in the world that had an 11 p.m. curfew, um, but I was okay with that, right? Because I didn't want to go back to that place where I was. That's a humble man right yeah. here. And then you know there were time limits on how long I could stay at their house. You know, you're not going to stay here and just shack up and you know, they really did do a good job of kind of pulling me from the gutter and kind of leading me mm-hmm. into the next phase of my life, What include, which included getting a job at a law office as a legal assistant uh, with a solo practitioner, and then me paying my way to school through college instead of my parents paying for it, which failed miserably the first mm-hmm. time around. Um, and ironically enough, I took college a little more seriously when I was paying for it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some truth to that. <laughs> I mean, they're everybody that gets everything handed to them really don't appreciate the value of the dollars that it took to buy that or to invest in that education. Absolutely. That's what you found. Now, one part I want to pause and make sure we don't rush too much. Uh, You were, you'd been battling these addictions all this time. And when you were there, 27 years old, just having flip burgers, make the decision, you're going to go back home. What was it like? Did you have to go through any type of like uh, cold turkey withdrawal type of thing then, or were you already clean? I No, I, um, when I made the decision to come home and I came home, I didn't use again. And I didn't have any withdrawals. I didn't have any issues. I, I think what it was, quite honestly, is I had a mother who was praying for me for years, oh, every day, man. saying, God, you need to come in and, and do an intervention in my son's life. And so um, when I finally had that call, you know, personally, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I made that decision, um, and I didn't know my mom was doing this at the time. Right. So, um, I think when I came home, it was just an answer to her prayer. Um, probably an answer to a number of people, uh, that were in my life, their prayers. Um, but I, I did not have any withdrawal issues. I didn't have any, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure I didn't hang around individuals that were doing those types of things and mm-hmm. living in, it was in Tallahassee, living in a college town. Sometimes, you know, instinctively, I knew I just, I couldn't go do some of those things. So I, without even knowing the term, remove your, remove yourself from people, places and things. I kind of just did that on my own because I didn't want to be exposed or, you know, fall under the, you know, any kind of influence to try to use again. So the years weren't wasted with regard to wisdom. 
you had learned a lot in those years. And, you know, tough wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, learning through experience and sometimes negative experiences is a, is a way to gain wisdom. Right. So, but, um, yes. And thus began my move to just do the next right thing. And it was a slow process. You know, I, um, had essentially failed out of college before I went to the Navy. And so getting myself back into school, getting my AA degree at the local community college in Tallahassee, transferring to UF, getting my degree at UF, all of these were just small steps. Mm-hmm. But each step that I completed and achieved gave me more, a more sense of a purpose and achievement to keep moving forward. And that determination yes. to move forward. Yes. And then others in my circle believing in me. Right. So now on that, were your mom and dad believers when you were living there with them? Yes. Yeah. That was one of the conditions. I had, had to, to go, go to church. Had with to go them. to church with them on Sundays. Ah. Yeah. And at that time, even though I'd been saved at a young age, um, I was very anti. I, I want to say anti God per se, but I was definitely anti church, anti established church. Yeah. I mean, I you know. So you had made a commitment church. for the Lord as a young guy, but you weren't living the life. Definitely not. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Um, and then I started, um, reaching out to the girl who had kind of always, um, been there on the side, worried about me. And we'd kind of been pen pals for a while when I was in the Navy and, uh, reached out to her. She was a little apprehensive at first, um, but ultimately became my biggest cheerleader and ultimately my wife. Wonderful. You know, your story, AJ, uh, hearing it now, I've heard it twice, um, it just brings a smile to my face. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. It's a grace story. It is one of those God stories that could not have happened apart from the supernatural hand of God in your life, especially the whole thing about uh, kind of walking out without, uh, you did go cold turkey in a real way. I did. Yeah, you just went out of it, but the Lord graced you and whatever. You know, there's um. There, a, a phrase, a saying I heard years ago from a guy who worked with uh, addicts and he had a uh, kind of a halfway house. And he made this statement to me. He said, my experience with people who are users is they tend to trade one addiction for another. If they are into alcohol, they kick alcohol, but they'll find something else to be addictive over. And And you, it appears... You became addicted to the Lord. That's what it appears. I became addicted to the Lord. Um, and and <laughs> love and that, it. That's a really interesting story because um, same girl. We've been dating for a while. I completed my AA in Tallahassee. She had graduated FSU and got into the vet school at UF. I felt like that I was probably going to ask her to marry me. Mm-hmm. So I moved down to Gainesville to finish my college degree. Go um, Gators. And it was at that time that she and I decided together that we should start going to church, right? And it wasn't because of mom or dad or parents or other influences. We just had a feeling, both of us, that we needed to go back there, right? And it was shortly after that that I rededicated my life to Christ and and, and realized that, you know, they definitely had backslid and living a sinful life for a number of years. And, um, and, And that was a great foundation for us to springboard us for our future life, mm-hmm. becoming married and 
you know, having children and raising them in the church. And, you know, so. What church up in Gainesville did you guys attend? It was a Presbyterian church. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It was, what, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but I, it was a Presbyterian church. On, uh, on Newberry? Um, I think that sounds right. Faith? Oh, no, 39th Avenue. 39th Avenue, maybe? Faith? Uh, it could be one. There's a, yeah. there's a couple of great ones up there. I'm familiar. I'm sorry. With them. I don't remember. That's <laughs> all right. That's great. I just love this story. And I think it's so marvelous that the way God moves on our lives, when we look back and here it is now, all these years later, I am sure some who hear your story are amazed that a person that had gone through the addictions and gone through some of the repercussions in their life that you did and, and experienced and and now you turn around in your late 20s and you head right back to school and this time around you you get it and you've you've become man I respect you so much Thank you. because not only did you graduate but you went on to law school it was not easy yeah. right it was not easy i had um i i pretty much shot my gpa um from you know my prior bad um habits and bad decisions uh prior to the military so my GPA wasn't that great for law school. I had done very well on the LSAT exam. And the three things you need to get into law school, your GPA, your LSAT exam, and then your personal statement. And I decided by that time that I would just confront my past head on. And so no hiding it. No, you know, I think I thought the best approach was to be as transparent as possible because they were going to find out anyway. Yeah. Right? So, um, so every single one of my applications uh, with the personal statement started with the very same sentence. And it was, um, I have a bad conduct discharge from the military for drug abuse. And I realized that'll be a red flag for many of you. And then I went on to explain all the things that I had done to overcome my addiction and the things that I've done to put myself in a position to apply to law school. And, you know, I think I applied to 27 different law schools and it was, you know, rejection, 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 rejection. But one school said yes, and that's all I needed. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Again, a beautiful story of God's grace. A.J. Fowinkle is my guest today. Love this man. I think uh, he is a trophy of the grace of God. And he's with Mark's Law Firm in Central Florida. We'll be back with A.J. in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Back again here with A.J. Fowinkle. He is an attorney with Mark's Law dealing with family law and criminal defense. Man, that testimony just warms me up. Every time I've heard it, which now is second time, and I think I liked it this time around more, uh, something about uh, just your story really does show, I believe, whether or not a person wants to be an attorney or, or whatever field they're in, when they hear your story in light of, not only one mistake, but you had the whole issue of the addiction added to that, the the discharge that wasn't favorable from the military. And then you mentioned that third thing, that disappointment that you felt knowing that you were going to have to call your dad who had a successful military uh, background and career and let him know that that wasn't going to be followed in you. I mean, those are like some strikes that some people, quite frankly, don't re- they don't recover from as well as you did. Yeah, shame and guilt are very, very powerful tools, I think, of the devil to really handicap and continue to keep people down. And I, I, I definitely felt shame and guilt 
uh, on my actions um, and towards my family and especially my father um, because of the consequences of those bad choices and, mm-hmm. and, and actions. Um, and, you know, again, it was, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of speeches around town now. Um, I bet you do. And I talk to drug rehab groups and, and try to give them a story of in- inspiration and hope and say, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's going to be a hard process. It's going to be a difficult road. But if you just keep doing the next right things, wonderful things will open up for you. Yeah. Um, and no matter what it is, that you, everyone told me there's no way I could ever become an attorney. Right. The bad conduct discharge equates to a felony in civilian world. I had been arrested for bouncing bad checks, which was part of my drug addiction issues. Um, so I had some somewhat minor, but still some kind of a mm-hmm. history. Yeah. Um, and. So everyone was like, they're, they're, you know, my, I didn't have a great GPA, right? So everyone was like, there's no way you can get into law school. Well, I just continued to do the next right thing and said, you know what? I'm not going to take no for an answer and kind of didn't give up on that dream. Um, and, and great things happened. And with that, it's got to be pointed out that you made this decision to face your past head on and not to hide, not to run from it. We, wouldn't it be great if, if any of us could live our lives where we have absolutely no regret? We have absolutely no, no baggage, if you will, that we're bringing into the next step of our life. And there's no one, I, I am willing to say that because it's true. Uh, there's no one that could honestly say that. You know, we had a couple one time, I know you deal with family law. So without a, uh, without a doubt, you've heard some stories with a couple sitting in front of you. Yes. Uh, about their lives. We had a couple sitting in front of us one time as a pastor up, up in Gainesville. And this couple told us we've never, they've been married like, I don't know, 15, 16 years. We've never had an argument. Well, I think what they really meant to say when they did this, and they, they both were adamant about it that night. It's so one of those things where you go, uh, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I don't believe you. I mean, right. that's what I wanted to say. I didn't say that. That's <laughs> what I wanted to say. Well, they, it, it uh, turned out later, uh, th- they're right. They really didn't ever have a real, like what we would think of as an argument. What they had were like blowouts that were nearly death. Hmm. I mean, that kind of <laughs> argument. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't true what they said. They had stuff. Right. And why it is that people want to present themselves as if they don't have those weaknesses is a part of human nature. It is. And I think society and media and TV shows and magazines, whatever, um, kind of back people into a position where they feel like they need to wear a mask Mm -hmm. and present um, a a version of themselves that's acceptable to the world Mm -hmm. because you don't want to see the ugliness that's behind this mask. Yeah, because Uh, even even if what they're presenting to the world is a mask and it's not true at all. Correct, correct, correct. So, um, yeah, getting rid of that mask, I think, and being transparent with my past um, was uh, key for me at a number of stages in my life and my career. Um, not Did your dad, is he still alive? Yes. Yes. Okay. So he's got to see what, what you've made of yourself. He has. Yes. He's got to be very proud. When I, um, after I become an attorney and, um, several years in, I'm being an attorney, married, had some children, had my own law practice. There's a process to try to go upgrade your military discharge. Um, very, very difficult to do a very, very small percentage are granted. 
So yeah. now you're going back to the military and in a real way looking to expunge that. Yes, asking for clemency, right? Mm -hmm. There's two ways to try to upgrade your military discharge. Mm -hmm. The discharge process, there was a mistake, like an appeal issue kind of thing, or you're just throwing yourself to the mercy of the board and, um, and asking for clemency, Okay, which was my approach. Um, and, and I got to hear this story. So um, th that was a wonderful story. Went up to Washington, D.C., sat in front of the Naval Discharge Review Board, uh, five highly decorated uh, senior military officers, listened to my, my story, my wife and I together, on why they should grant this request for clemency. Um, and so I was able to explain, you know, essentially a little bit about what we've talked about here. Mm -hmm. um, and they were so amazed at what I'd been able to do since being discharged from the military, because, you know, usually with a bad conduct discharge, you know, there's dishonorable discharge, which is the worst. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is bad conduct discharge. So it's a very unfavorable discharge. It can be very difficult to get jobs, to kind of, you know, get a loan, do a mortgage, those types of things with that kind of um, hit on your background. And so they were just so kind of amazed at our story um, and my being able to overcome all these things. And I, you know, was very, very transparent with them about how transparent I had been throughout the whole process with the law schools and letting everyone know, um, that I was able to get that, uh, discharge upgraded to a general under, uh, other than honorable conditions. So it was a general under honorable conditions, which is the second, you know, there's honorable. And then the next one down is general under honorable, which is what they moved it up to. Um, that was an exciting day because we got the notice. Um, we went up to DC and uh, over Thanksgiving break. Um, we got the letter a couple of weeks later, and my wife somehow convinced me to not open it until Christmas morning. Oh, yeah, that, that was goodness. difficult. Um, and we put the envelope right on the tree. <laughs> this is either going to be a piece of coal or exactly. it's going to be a wonderful exactly. gift. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, we opened it up Christmas morning, and it was that wonderful gift. Oh, and uh, the very goodness. first call I made was to my dad. You know, to say, hey, and, and so you said it was an not general, but an honorable. It's it's general under honorable conditions. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. So, which is which was a huge. It was a two jump, which is virtually unheard of. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, that, I was very very pleased and happy with that. I've got such a tremendous family background from the military, from my brother, my dad, aunts, uncles, grandparents, um, and then also on my wife's side, her her father, my father in law. Um, military. So it was very important for me to try to, you know, I'd always felt like on Veterans Day and, and other kind of military memorial kind of uh, holidays to kind of sh shrink and shy away from them because mm -hmm. I felt so ashamed still mm -hmm. because of that background. And um, and so being able to go through that process and, and get the discharge upgrade um, was kind of an important thing for me to kind of present to my family like, hey, I have... I have totally overcome this issue yes. from this background, yeah. right? Not with just what I've done in my career and personal life, but also from the military. I think it's, uh, there's two things that just strike me, AJ, about your story that I, I think remarkable is the right word. Number one, that you made it through and you did that. You went through all of the steps and the difficulty. I mean, let's face it, you wouldn't have had to have done that. You chose to do it. It could have gone either way. It could have been left right where it was or and you had the hope for something better and you you go through that whole what had to be a, a difficult i can only imagine sitting in there with the the top brass of the navy and you're 
making an appeal. That's one thing, and you did that, and they granted it. Praise God for that. The second thing that I find even more amazing is the fact that now that you have that, you're still willing to sit on radio and talk about the fact that you were uh, originally discharged with in a way that wasn't as honorable. Uh, the fact that you're that open, that I believe is going to shout hope to people who are hearing your story. Well, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, that's part of the reason why I do it. I, I, I like to give back. And I, I think part of what I went through, while I, I, I fully believe I made my own decisions and in, 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 in doing the things that I did in my past, to a certain extent, I, I believe that those things happen for a reason or a purpose because I'm here today mm-hmm. being able to do what I can do to help others. You know, when I first started off in my career as a, uh, and I did criminal defense, I didn't originally want to do criminal defense. I was in law school. My wife's a doctor, right? A veterinarian. I wanted to be a, uh, an attorney that represented doctors and hospitals against frivolous lawsuits. Right. And so, um, and then your last semester of law school, um, I did an internship at a public defender's office. And within the first week, it was like an epiphany, like a light that just went off. In, and I was like, I now had come kind of full circle because I had been involved in the criminal justice system with some of the poor decisions I'd made in my mm-hmm. past. On the other side. Yep. <laughs> and now here I am. I, I'm an attorney. I, well, at that time, I'm still a law student, but I, I'm, I'm working on cases where I can help people who have made similar bad decisions that I did in the past. And now I can kind of help them through this process, through the legal process. Um, it was like a, just a, a, a shining light that said, yep, there's your purpose. Do you find yourself telling your story to them? Every now and then, not always. I don't think it's always appropriate to, to tell that story to each and every one of my clients, but in the appropriate time in case, yes. I've uh, shared that story a number of times, especially mm-hmm. with some juvenile clients and parents, you know, the parents are just, you know, Johnny's never going to make it because of this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Right? This isn't the end of the world. Right. Um, and then when I go and talk to different various groups, it's the same thing, right? They, especially for first time offenders or someone who's only been in trouble once or twice, and they just feel like the weight of the legal system and getting this thing on their record is going to prevent them from doing anything moving forward or shattering their dreams. And I can be, no, 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 it, it's going to be more difficult, mm-hmm. but you, there's a way to do this. There's, you know, don't give up hope. I can do it. You can do it too. You've mentioned uh, in, in a couple of different times in our chat so far about the, the doing the right thing, the next step, right thing. I, I think that's a point I'd like for us to embellish for a moment. Uh, when someone's starting off, and they've made some big mistakes, oftentimes they don't ever take that first step toward the right thing because they don't feel that they're qualified to do it. They don't feel that they'll ever get far enough away from, let's say, their mistakes or the the problem that was caused by their mistakes. Right. But you are an example of someone who even in that moment, in that first step moment, in that first step moment when you called your parents and yep. said, can I come back? That's right. That was a first step. I'm sure you didn't have any idea where you would be sitting now. Um, I didn't. I had dreams. You had, I had dreams. I had aspirations, but mm-hmm. I, I, at that time I didn't see the way to get there. Right. Um, so I think when I say taking the next right step, don't get boggled down on what the ultimate dream is, right? 
Focus more on what's immediately in front of you. And what you can do. And what, what you're only able to do at that time. And those little successes get, do a number of different things. I think psychologically, ment- you know, physically, emotionally, it helps people to feel a sense of accomplishment. Helps people to think, okay, if I can do this thing right, and this has shown some you know, modicum of success, but what if I do this next thing? You know, and let me continue to work hard at, at achieving that. And then when you achieve that, not only do you get the sense of achievement and that becomes a, a, a bigger motivator to continue to do the next right thing, um, but it opens up so many other opportunities that you probably didn't realize when you were back on step one or two, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but I think for the biggest one, especially coming from the addiction world, I mean, you have to be true to yourself. I mean, for me, I made the decision that I wanted change. I made that phone call. It wasn't a judge. It wasn't a parent. It wasn't a loved one, a spouse or whatever, um, because that happens all the time and people still fall back into their addictions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I firmly believe, are there certain cases where people make the decision to change and they fall back into it? Yes. But by and large, the majority of people that truly decide that they want change um, and they're the ones that make that decision, um, that's the first step um, admitting that you have an issue or a problem, mm-hmm. right. Um, that will springboard you to doing the next right thing in order to try to continue to follow on whatever path it is that you want. Now we know why now you've told us a story about why you went into criminal. What about law in general? What about it when you were uh, kind of coming through all of this? What attracted you to being an attorney? So, I mean, I made a bunch of dumb decisions when I was in high school, but I wasn't a dumb guy, right? I mean, I, I was a smart guy. I, I enjoyed speech and debate. I, I was the kind of guy that, you know, whenever there was that book report that you'd have to get up in front of the class and read, I didn't shy away from that. I felt comfortable getting in front of people and talking and speaking. I was in drama in high school. And so, um, so those types of backgrounds and I think skill sets that I just kind of naturally had always kind of pointed me into the idea of doing something in the legal field and being mm-hmm. an attorney even when I went into the Navy, my goal was if I were to stay in was to go into the legal side and the legal field. Go into JAG. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I think that was kind of always in there. Um, and then I, you know, people would always say, Oh, you'd be a great attorney. Just, you know, just in the way that I would argue things or present things or, um, and so that was kind of always sitting there. Um, I certainly didn't th- see the pathway there during those dark times when I'm, you know, sitting in a puddle of my own vomit or whatever, or, you know, doing drugs or sitting in a, you know, wondering what I'm going to do with my life. Um, I certainly didn't see the path at that point. Yeah. Right. But once I got out of that and started kind of the slow trudge to kind of put my life back together, there was that inner voice that's kind of said, well, let's see about this. Can, can this happen? Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have, I have. And, and you're not the first person that's asked me that. And I need to. Um, yeah, you do. And, and there, there's a lot of. You've uh, got a great story that yeah. needs to be in pages. That That is a goal that my wife and I have talked about. Um, we have two kids. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm in a busy I practice. Know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, and it's easy to make excuses, but I, I do. I, it, 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 more And more than one occasion that has been in the works. We have an outline. We've, we've talked about it. There's some th- certain things that we've. 
but it hasn't gone anywhere. I want to read it when you get it, man. I will give you a signed copy. All right. All right. I love that. (laughs) I love that. This is great. AJ Fowinkle is my guest. And you can tell that I'm having as much fun as anybody right now listening to this man and his story and his faith. It's inspiring. And I believe it is something that every person can hear and apply to their own life because it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are what we've done, what our individual stories are. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. And God's grace is greater than any of them. And he is an example of that. We'll be back with AJ for one more section. Don't go away. He'll be back for segment three in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. This is a truly fun interview for me, AJ Fowinkle. I met AJ again back in the day when we first moved here from Gainesville. Uh, here being Orlando. That's our base for the shepherd and got involved uh, with the Christian chamber. uh, And that's where I met uh, AJ and uh, got uh, to be connected with him. And he was on my program a long time ago in the early, early months of my show uh, before we even had it in podcast form. And that's why one reason why I was so excited to get you to come back up because now this time uh, it it will be released in uh, in its proper uh, proper format to where people can pass this word along. I think your testimony again is inspiring and helpful, and it, it can be it could actually be a deal breaker uh, for the enemy's plans for somebody's life. It it could be a deal maker that someone realizes in their own heart, I've been choosing the wrong steps, like what happened to you. Right, right, and if I if I can help just one individual, then, then it's worth it. Right. So, um, you know, I, in, in doing criminal defense originally, um, and kind of stepping out into that world where I felt like that could help people that had made similar bad decisions that I had, um, truly was an eye opening experience for me and being able to walk along and beside someone who feels like the world is crumbling down around them, that they Mm -hmm. feel so helpless and hopeless, um, that they're never going to be able to achieve their dreams and, and, you know, not, never going to be able to fulfill the things that they wanted to do in their life. Um, and being able to walk them not only just through the legal process, um, but on a personal walk as well. And, you know, there were times when I would, uh, turn it into a faith conversation mm-hmm. and trying to bring people to Christ. Other times I could tell that that was not going to be well received. Um, but by my actions and how I conducted myself, um, I believe that was, witness enough. I never shied away from telling people of my faith. Um, but you know, I'm not beating them over the head with the Bible on every occasion either. Cause I think that would turn some, some of uh, the people that I represent off. Um, but by being an example, um, and, and having that kind of faith walk and, and them knowing what my background is, mm-hmm. I think, um, in some of those situations was key. I agree with you. And I think it's wise. We always have to be careful about our testimony and careful about the timing of even sharing what we know is the greatest word, the greatest news that we could ever talk about. Still, there's a need for us to be careful and know and follow the Lord. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I think the people who know you and the people who uh, are surrounding with you in here in the Orlando area, uh, those friends of yours that are, you serve with on the chamber. And I think you're very involved in the Christian chamber, right? I am. Yeah. I'm the vice chair. Yeah. The the vice chair. You're on the board and uh, there's a lot going on in that. And 
Mark and I recently met. We had a, a program with uh, Mark, myself, and uh, Crystal, who was up here, and we got to have both the former and the current lead of this Christian chamber. And I think what God is doing uh, in this chamber is different and exciting, and uh, perhaps it will be a model for other places around the country. That's exactly what we're trying to set it up to be for right. not, not just the Central Florida uh, Christian Chamber. You know, a wonderful thing happened w- during the early formation days of the Central Florida Christian Chamber in that when whoever created the bylaws um, and the Articles of Incorporation um, used the title U.S. Christian Chamber, also known as the Central Florida Christian Chamber. So... Oh, God man. already had a plan from the place, beginning. From the beginning, yeah. Um, and for us to be a a model for other chambers across the country, and that's already happening. Mm-hmm. You're getting uh, Christian chambers from all over the country that are starting to call um, and want to get feedback on how they can create their own sample bylaws. Um, what kind of events do we get involved with? Just you know, truly. So it has been a blessing. What Crystal Parker is doing now. I don't think she could ever accomplish if she didn't ride on the shoulders of what Mark had already established. Mm-hmm. And I Mark, agree. Mark did a wonderful job of, of creating and building and growing the central Florida Christian chamber into what it was. And, and, and I think Crystal is taking that and, and taking it to kind of the next level. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's, it's wonderful because I'm friends with both of them to, uh, to kind of see what was and what's going to be and what currently is. Um, and it's 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 wonderful to have kind of a front seat. Of it that. really is, and and exciting. And you know the the stuff that's coming out there now. I mean, this uh, you're having your second big expo coming up this fall. That's right. And that's going to be different than it was the first time around. It's going to be done at First Baptist, and they're bringing in a major music artist. They are, yeah, yeah. And, and the the lead singer of Third, Third Day, Day is yep. going to be here. That is. That is just going to be completely crazy. A much larger venue. Um, At the First Baptist, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, some fantastic national um, speakers that are coming in. Um, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful event, and we're really looking forward to it. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, one of the things I want to do in our time that's remaining with you is to talk about this intersection of faith in what you do. Now, you're an attorney, obviously. We've definitely talked about that. Yep. Uh, but you're in the the chamber with people from all different walks of life, different businesses, uh, and the common denominator among all of you is the fact that you believe in the Lord and that you believe in the kingdom of God and that you want to represent him in what you do. Now, you're an attorney. You've given us a couple of examples of how your faith interacts with some of your clients. What it, When you get up in the morning, what do, you, what do you pray for? What What is your goal that day? That I can be the best attorney that I can be for my clients, that I will um, faithfully represent my clients um, and do God's will and purpose in the cases that I have. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, doing family law and working with clients that are seeking a divorce, you know, scripturally and biblically, God hates divorce, right? And so there have been times when people have asked us, well, how can you be a Christian and do family law at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't that kind of conflict. And and while I understand and get that, right, I think what we do and the way that we try to navigate through that is, um, first of all, we, we approach it from a faith-based perspective. So 
every single new client that comes in the door, we try to let them um, give them the opportunity for reconciliation. Right. And we've been oh, able to save great. marriages. And right? I wonder how many attorneys firms do that. Virtually none. Yeah. Right. 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 In fact, we've had uh, um, law firms that have said and attorneys go, what are you doing? Don't you realize that you're, you know. Yeah. You're cutting yourself you're out cutting of business. Right. And we're like, well, yeah. we're called to a higher purpose, a higher calling. Um, but I think it also, you know, it provides us an opportunity uh, for ministry. I mean, if we can navigate and walk through um, a couple or the person that we represent through the divorce process um, and talk about reconciliation, talk about forgiveness, talk about other biblical principles. Um, I think that, you know, we're being a witness and in, in, in providing um, some insight to our clients that they're not going to get anywhere else. Um, and then I think also it's how we conduct ourselves in the public, right? In the public eye. There, most family law attorneys know that we are a faith-based firm. Mm -hmm. Most of the other attorneys that I work with know that I'm the, the president of the Christian Legal Society. Most of them know that I'm a board member and the vice chair of the Christian Chamber. And so, and how we conduct ourselves, you know, everyone gets this like negative stigma on how attorneys are supposed to act, right? Um, and that they're, you know, horrible individuals. And and that's fine. I get that. I'm in that field and I'm in that career. And there's, there's certainly a number of attorneys that act like that. Um, there's a time and a place to be aggressive and to aggressively represent your client. I get that. And we do that um, when the time calls for that. But you don't have to be that every single day, day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, and so we live in a fallen world. And, you know, how how do you represent the person who doesn't believe in divorce, but their spouse is the one that's pushing it? You know, we live in Florida. It's a no-fault state for divorces. And if divorce is going to happen, right, how do you – First of all, try to undo that when we represent the person who doesn't want the divorce, mm -hmm. right? And then once they realize that it's going to happen, right? We've we've tried to seek reconciliation, we try to get counseling, we try whatever, and that's fall on deaf ears by the other party. Then we just navigate, we hold the hand, we we walk with that person as they're going through this extremely difficult and emotional time in their life, mm -hmm. right? And being able to approach that from biblical principles and from a godly perspective. I think is our way to witness and to give back. Well, you're going to be able to minister to the one who didn't want it as much as you're having to just be the person. You're right, in a state like ours, and there's a lot that I think it's it's confusing, honestly, when you get down to a no-fault. You know, we're also a no-fault state when it comes to automobile accidents, and, yep. uh, you know, everyone has to have their insurance, and you have to uh, kind of uh, depend upon that insurance. Uh, it, unless there's going to be a, a, a scenario where the other party who hit you is going to pay for it. But even still, I mean, the way all of this goes on, you have to have your own stuff in order. So there's nothing we can do about that. And you're, those are constraints that you just have to work under and around. You can't get away with those restraints. No, no, you can't. Yeah. Right. And so again, being able to walk through uh, that process with the client that, you know, doesn't understand the process, doesn't yeah. understand the confusing aspects of the legal world and and the rules and the regulations that, that fall into that. And and being able to do that, again, with, you know, we, we've got core uh, values and principles that we employ um, in our business. Uh, we go over them all the time in our mm -hmm. monthly meetings. Uh, every meeting starts off with a prayer and then our mission statement. Um, and so and the mission statement is to first, like I said before at the beginning of the program, to honor God, first and foremost, 
to honor God and then to faithfully represent our clients with great attitude, teamwork, mm-hmm. excellence, um, and leadership. And so, um, trying to walk through the client to a diff- through a difficult time, and that's the same for criminal defense as well. They're confused, they're scared, they're um, unsure of the legal process, and just being able to walk with them in that time of need, right? Um, and be there for them, explain things, um, give them a shoulder to cry on when they need to cry, um, not shut them out, not go, I'm the attorney, I know what I'm doing, just leave me alone, let me take care of your case. Mm-hmm. There are attorneys like that out mm-hmm. there, right? right. Um, and so, and we just, we take a different approach, right? And I think we're called to take a different approach. Well, you're doing it, man. You're doing a great job. And uh, for anyone who is looking and needing, maybe you know somebody who is sadly considering uh, this kind of a legal action in their lives, it is so much better that they would be in the hands of somebody like AJ who cares, number one, number two, who believes, number three, who's really going to give an option for reconciliation. Absolutely. And you know, I've seen and talked to couples who were bent on getting a divorce as a pastor. They were bent on it and then watch God heal their marriage. Yes. And right. there's nothing more exciting at the end of the day than then to see a family restored. Oh, we, we, we praise that at our firm whenever that happens. And it does happen. All of the attorneys have had stories where um, the, the, the process has resulted in reconciliation. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. And it's sometimes it's at the very beginning of the process. Like before you do this, before you file something, you know, will y'all consider going and speaking with the We, we have a list of different counselors, mm-hmm. either individual or marriage counselors, mm-hmm. Um, faith-based or secular, whatever, whatever more comfortable um, to give them that opportunity. So we've seen reconciliation from that end. We've seen reconciliation. I had a case where we were, I mean, it was knocked down, dragged out, fighting, very litigious, uh, very contentious case. Um, And about halfway through it, just kind of constantly talking about with my client, you know, reconciliation, you you sure you still don't want to go see a counselor? They finally decided to see a counselor. That was about two and a half years ago, they've re- they they called us and said we've reconciled. We're now living with each other again. Thank you. I haven't heard from it again, so I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that, that yeah. things are still going great. No news but, is good news. But that's, in a, this. but that's a wonderful example, right? To be able to yeah. be able to save a marriage is um, is a wonderful thing. How can people get in touch with you? So go to our website. It's the Marks Law. Uh, dot com w marxlaw dot com m a r k apostrophe s or just s m a r k s m a r k s marxlaw dot com mm-hmm. um, and um, if you go to that website you'll see all of our profiles on the, the three different attorneys that are there um, and then also um, Tom Marx has done uh, probably over a hundred YouTube um, um, shows mm-hmm. um, about the various different aspects of family law. Uh, some of them deal, dealing with Chris, Christian principles and and in uh, family law and how to uh, approach family law from a Christian perspective. Give us that website one more time. Marks with an S M A R K S MarksLaw dot com. All right, AJ Fullwinkle. Hope they check out your profile. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me. It's really been a fun visit. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on the Shepherd. <laughs>